We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand-addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers, other merch, just uh, visit our Patreon. We are Womance on Patreon, or is it patreon.com forward slash Womance? We would be very proud to call you one of our patrons. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our discussion of Allie Hazelwood's The Love Hypothesis. If you haven't already, I would recommend listening to part one, which is currently available on whatever podcatcher app you're listening to this on. But if you don't want to bother with that, that's cool. I love your style. Uh, Shine on, you crazy diamond, and go ahead and listen to the episode where we are going to talk about the weirdest and sexiest parts and come to a final decision on whether or not this fic turned book is a woe or a no. Enjoy. I want to talk about my weirdest part. Okay. My weirdest part is the RPF also known as real person fic or fiction leakage. Yes. Deeply problematic and weird. So RPF is when you don't write a fan fiction about Kylo Ren, you write a fan fiction about Adam Driver. And I say Adam Driver, it's always Harry Styles. It's (laughs) constantly Harry Styles. And people do it with musicians. I... I don't know. Like, I, I get know. doing it with Ziggy Stardust, but not with David Bowie. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes sure. music perf- musical performers create characters. Ethel Kane instead of Hayden. I can't think of her last name. But, like, there's... It's weird. Harry Styles has come out and talked about the experience of being written about in that way and being speculated about. And he didn't like it. Which, I'm not surprised. People get real personal in these real people fix. Yeah, they really do. And it's it's like other fan fiction, like it is as explicit, it is as, you know, whatever you can imagine exists in real RPF. So it's problematic. And oftentimes people who don't work in RPF, who are working with canonical texts, I think they also kind of like hold themselves apart a bit and suggest that their text What they're doing is different and okay in a way that, like, RPF is not. Because they're just writing about the characters. I think that's easier to stand by if you're writing about, like, a cartoon or a character from a book. But an embodied, like, characters are embodied by actual people on film and television. And I think that's where the natural slippage occurs I feel like this text takes the slippage a bit too far. 
Yeah, it's a slip and slide. His name is Adam Carlson. Jeremy sounds like general. That's not mm. how I got there, but it does. But it the, does. The reason is because it made a big deal about him having red hair. Yeah. And I was and like, being Irish. I don't think this is Porkins from the original trilogy. It's not. It's true. <laughs> I think it's probably General Hook. And he's Irish and has an Irish accent. About my brainstem clench a little bit because Donald Gleason is not using his regular speaking voice in this role. He's doing like a voice. Yeah, he's doing a voice. It's not a gentle Irish brogue Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that wouldn't read well as Nazi, space Nazi. I assume that's why he made the choice. Although Irish people can be space Nazis too. Sure. They were indeed neutral during the war. (laughs) Neutrality only helps the oppressor. Yeah, that's right. I want you to remember that the next time you don't want to contribute a weirdest part and a sexiest part, you want to be like, I could go either way. I want you to remember that. (laughs) Filed away. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. That's that's Dom Hoagleason. That's not General Hux. Yeah. Then there was this other throwaway line that confused me. Olive is talking to Adam and she's like, I don't want to like go home and meet your parents for Christmas or whatever. And he says Hanukkah. She goes, what? And he says, my family celebrates Hanukkah. And I kept that detail in my head. And I was like, are they going to go to his parents' house for Hanukkah? Is his Judaism going to come up in some way? Nope. Nope. Just that one line. Mm-hmm. Is Kylo Ren Jewish? No. No. Is Adam Driver Jewish? Also no. <laughs> <laughs> but why would you include that if you didn't think Adam Driver is Jewish? If you didn't believe Kylo Ren was embodied by a Jewish man? And think hard. Think hard. Think hard about where those assumptions came from. No, there doesn't seem to be any kind of cultural <laughs> or spiritual indicator that he's Jewish. Does there? Is this the moment you want me to relate the story of people being casually anti-Semitic? Because what I think you're getting at, right, is the experience that, like, Adam Driver has... He has- he has physical features that are classically and anti-Semitically mm-hmm. associated with folks who are Jewish. Mm-hmm. In my real life, there was a person who I was drinking with at a bar once. We worked together. And he said, oh, you know, Hanukkah is coming up. Happy Hanukkah. And I was like, oh, I'm Greek Orthodox. Uh but thanks, like, why did you think I was Jewish? And he goes, that hair, that nose, not a Jew? I was like, wow! Was he Jewish? No! (laughs) Wasn't a joke, though. Literally was like, your hair, your nose, not Jewish, does not compute. And I was like, that says so much about you. If saying I celebrate Hanukkah passes for being a Jewish secular main character. But like, isn't that a comment on how few Jewish main characters there are? Yeah. Because if this counts on the lists, yikes. Saying that a character is Jewish does not, celebrates Hanukkah, feels like a really low bar for representation. I agree. 
Yeah, my weirdest part is the, like, leeching in of the, like, RPF stuff. Yeah. And before anyone says, like, oh, just because he has an Irish accent, red hair doesn't mean he's General Hugs slash Donal Gleason. Don't insult my intelligence. And don't insult your own. (laughs) You know well enough. Just like you know who the space Nazis are. And that you shouldn't be wanting to kiss them. Also, why do you want to kiss them? (laughs) What was so your weirdest part? My weirdest part is like the first half. Like I think Adam Carlson, PhD Wonderkin, tenured professor is pretty charmless. I don't mm. I really don't like that the first scene that isn't the prologue is her running up to him and saying, "Can I kiss you?" At 11 o'clock on a Friday with no one in the hall except her best friend that she's trying to trick. And without waiting for him to say yes or no, she just plants one on him. And it's as awkward as an unexpected kiss might be. uh, But he's secretly been wanting it. For a really long time. Which I also don't love. She thought he said yes. She thought she heard a little grunt of approval. She did say that. She heard, in fact, a snort of derision. She heard a snort of derision, which is not consent, common nomenclature, but I guess it counts for Kylo Ren. Um, it's and just then a kiss. Ha- Come on, loosen up. We're talking about romance novels here. But the thing that like <laughs> weirded me out and made me uncomfortable is that they have this whole parlance where he's like, I'm going to file a Title <gasps> IX complaint for sexual mm-hmm. harassment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not unfair for what has occurred in this situation. And then she's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Like, you have to understand where I'm coming from. And then she's like, you know what? Wait, you you file that Title IX complaint. And then, like, it became a joke. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not how we should be talking about the Title IX, which is designed specifically to protect Olive. And, like, in this situation where you've got super hot teacher, it is also designed to protect him. And so, like, the fact that he, like, wants, like, even says or makes the motion of, I'm going to file the Title IX complaint, but we're supposed to find that humorous in the text. We're supposed to find Title IX funny until we don't. Right. And I I didn't find it funny. I thought it was a really, really weird shoehorn of a gimmick. And I'm like, this is this is not good. This is this is what you're doing trivializes Title IX, which is a problem. And that's that was our first up to bat. But that was our first up to bat. And then later in the text, we're supposed to take it gravely seriously. Gravely seriously. Forces a kiss onto Olive. The same basic thing happens. Power roles are reversed. Because, you know, structurally. But it's still inappropriate. Yep. And then we're supposed to take it seriously. But things like Title IX don't really work unless you take them seriously regardless of who's doing the smooching. Right. So my weirdest part was right at the beginning. I was like, stop trivializing a critically important office designed for everyone's protection please look and i'm willing to i'm willing to let that go if it hadn't become a crucial plot point in the villain storyline later on that's right i'm willing to let i am i'm like okay all right we're having a little bit of fun here 
right? Title IX only comes up if you file the complaint. Fuck. Only if you file the complaint. But it's true. It only matters if someone files the complaint. A snort of derision isn't consent. Listen, if I took every snort of derision as a no, (laughs) I would be exactly where I am today. And no one wants to be where I am. (laughs) Happily married and beautiful. (laughs) You can see my apartment. (laughs) All right. I could have, if I would have taken one snort, one or three to five snorts of derision a little less seriously, I could have my ice sculpture, my weekly ice sculpture by now. That's probably true. And my parquet floors. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. It's like, it's not only like systemically like upsetting. It's also like structurally bad for the story. Indeed it is. It's like a bad, it's like a mirror darkly. Where it's like, it wasn't, it's supposed to be funny, but now it's not. And it's like, I understand in both reasons why it shouldn't have been funny. And like, I, I take umbrage with the first. Because I take umbrage with the second. It's, you know, it, it also, though, the fact this kind of like split also shows the difference between intention versus impact. Absolutely. Absolutely true. He did want to be kissed ultimately by this very specific person. And impact is ultimately what matters with um, sexual harassment. That's true. It Kids, is. Author's note. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I know we're having a lot of fun here with these Title IX japes, but you gotta know. Intention versus outcome, right? Like, you can intend to have a jape, but if it doesn't land like one with your intended audience, Mm -hmm. it is not, in fact, a jape. And you can, and it doesn't just have to be a jape, it can also be a romantic overture. Mm -hmm. It can be an erotic overture. Any variety of overture, but if that person takes it as an absolutely not, you done, you done fucked up. You done fucked up. You title mind yourself. <laughs> so that was my weirdest part. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. I think that's the other thing about pink lens kind of feminism stuff is that we want it to be okay when we do the, when we ignore the snort of derision. We've all got to see each other as human beings with the same capacity for yeses and nos to be taken seriously, to not superimpose our own context onto a situation and to try to have empathy. Author's note ended. What was your sexiest part? You go first. You go first with the sexiest part. Mine's embarrassing. I did not like this book (gasps) for half of it. Oh. And then... We get to our first sex scene. And listen, listen, listen. It's 1230 at night. I'm listening to this book. And we come into this sex scene, pun intended. uh, Full steam ahead. Fucking 100 miles an hour. It just like fucking slams out of nowhere. It's 1230 in the morning. I have an infant child who is not currently sleeping through the night. Do you know what all... Well, Isabeau does. She can't fucking put the book down. 
Like I cannot. And I like, and from that point on, like it was like this train had left the station. Yeah. I like, I'm so deep into this sex scene. It saves the rest of the book for me. I reread the book again at nine o'clock the next morning, not the whole book, but like the half forward from the sex scene. This sex scene is so smart and sexy and hot to the point of like I can't even look at the sun I just what part isn't like the way he's so enthusiastic about cunnilingus and the multiple cunnilingus parts like the way like I don't love that like her whole thing is like I don't have sex with people that I don't trust blah 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 it's like I'm so tight because I've had like sex with like two people and like there's this whole I don't like that but like the fact that he's like oh you're not like you're into this but like your body isn't fully into this like let's change direction so that we can get your body into the space where it can fit my body and like his penis is obviously ginormous because it's a space dick because he's Kylo Ren and so like ginormous to like jam it into her diminutive stupid body is dumb i don't love that part (laughs) but the part that i love about it (laughs) he literally an actual line from the bonus chapter is my big stupid cock we were not going to talk about the bonus chapter we were talking about the official chapter the The official through her perspective yeah yeah right where, like, she is so wet, she's actually embarrassed by how wet her underwear is when he touches her. But it's not wet enough for his beefy fingers or his ginormous dick. And he's like, why are you so tight? Which is such a stupid, like, 1970s Woodawissian version of a itty-bitty Tinkerbell body. Don't love it. But what I but you did love it. But what I do love is that she has this real moment of vulnerability where he's like, "You're not into this, right? Like your body is telling me that you're not into this," and she's like, "No, I am. I just don't know how to like let go completely. So if you help me, and if we do something else or do something different, we can." keep doing this because this feels good and I don't want it to stop. And the fact that this book dealt so explicitly with a person who wants to have sex, but there's like still a physical obstacle, right? Like they're ready, they're willing, they've expressed full consent, but there's like something holding them back and that they could speak earnestly about it in an adult manner explicitly discuss it in an adult manner and then change direction in order to continue to have a joyous sex act together. Fucking awesome. I was like, I love that your most adult conversation in the whole book thus far has been about sex. I think it's, yeah, so she shares that she's, never really had a lot of sexual attraction. I think that's good representation. He Mm -hmm. also hasn't had, like, a lot of sex in his life. Mm -hmm. I think that's great and also probably true for the setting. Mm -hmm. We don't have to sleep. Maybe. Feels true. (laughs) Listen, if they were getting laid, they would have gone to med school, right? It's true. Instead, they said in the biology PhD program. Mm -hmm. Something that I always find interesting is like 
um, people who say like, oh, I, I can't be sexually attracted to them unless I'm romantically attracted to them. And I always feel like, does everything have to be a thing? Like, that seems pretty normal to me. But people will talk about it like it's an identity. Mm -hmm. Drunk uncle at Thanksgiving Morgan here. I'm like, <laughs> can't you just enjoy that part of yourself? <laughs> You're not that far off from a lot of people. It's true. I bet if a lot of people were like, no, I, I feel like I have to have a romantic connection in order to have a physical one. I'm not like other people. I have to like the person I have sex with. Yeah. Like that, nothing says more about like where our understanding of sexuality and like hookup culture and the sex what the sexual revolution of the sixties actually did, air quotes for us than the fact that people are now like, I'm not like other people. I have to enjoy the company of the person who I let <laughs> come inside me. I'm a special girl. I know. I'm a guy. I've never really gotten understood my friends because I've always had to like, like the person I have sex with. Like these are actual things I've heard said out loud. Mm -hmm. I thought we were all just trying to have sex with people who we liked. I, but I thought it was nice to have that kind of conversation that wasn't like, I'm a virgin, but still like acknowledge that someone had a sexual past, but maybe not like an extensive one. Mm hmm. You know, that yeah. seems like more that actually seems like more important. But I do want to acknowledge there's something that's really weird that happens in this sex scene. OK. He takes her entire breast into his mouth. Into his mouth. <laughs> her entire breast. Adam Driver has a big mouth. He has a big mouth. People have small bit tits. People have small breasts. No one's mouth is that big and no one's <laughs> breasts are that small. Can you imagine? I also imagine like a little funk sound <laughs> once it locked in. <laughs> he put his in, her entire breast into his mouth. Those are just really small breasts. I can definitely picture adult women having breasts that small. To fit inside. To Adam fit Driver's mouth. At the root he has a very, I bet he can unhinge his jaw. He would have to. <laughs> he would have to. It's a weird thing to say. And like this sex scene is like everything that I think I agree with you. This is a great sex scene. It's everything that's great about the story. It's also, I think for me, the thing that mo feels most true to fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Because the sex, they spend a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole chapter in and of itself. There's not really character development happening, which mm -mm. Laura Kinsale would never. <laughs> would never. Would never. Her sex scenes are about character and plot development. Anyways, that's not what this is. It's, mm -mm. it's talking about green, sopping wet green cotton panties. And then he says, I guess green is my favorite color. <laughs> it is... A fanfic. And like, if you are reading fan fiction for eroticism, which a lot of people are, yours truly included, you're not there for like, I don't know. Fade to blacks. You're not, yeah, you're not there for like elegance. <laughs> you're not there. <laughs> you're not there for elegance. It's so true. You're there for like, he then put her whole breast into his <laughs> mouth. And what's great about listening to this on audiobook is that I could put an earbud in my husband's 
canal to be like, <laughs> listen to this and just watch him react to the, the phrase, put her entire breast into his mouth. He did like a little jolt. Yeah, not me. Could never be me. I'm happy for her. I bet it was cool. Having... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday I'll find a pool filter with nobody around. <laughs> I'll get to experience the sensation for myself. <laughs> about longing which Mm. i appreciate what comes to mind besides the sex scene which was tricky for me one of my notes that i made while listening to this was shirts versus skins froth at the stanford biology picnic sounds like a hellscape (laughs) extracted from that context when she's rubbing him down with sunscreen Mm-hmm. it's not bad it's not it's very sexy and like the weird hug cl- kiss that they have after he pushes the truck uphill out of the way yeah the 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 picnic itself god i hope that's not real i hope that's not what's happening at stanford i doubt that it is so she shows up to this picnic after confronting him about fucking with her friend's thesis dissertation pardon and they haven't talked for a while. She shows up. He's shirtless, along with other tenured faculty, other members, <laughs> tenured faculty members. Why are they shirts versus skins while they're playing frisbee golf? No one has ever taken their shirt off with legitimate cause while playing frisbee golf. They're playing ultimate frisbee. I feel like I should note it wasn't frisbee golf. Sorry. It is a much more strenuous sport. Pardon. I take back everything I said. Secondly, I agree with you. But also, it is a department where <laughs> everyone knows each other. So the idea that anyone would be, need to be shirts and skins so that you like can delineate the characters on the field from one another. Right. Fucking get out of here. You're fucking get out of here. And it's yet again one of those scenes, like these scenes of physical intimacy are so fan fictiony in that they are equal parts cringe. Yes. But also my deepest desire. Yeah. Fanfic in a nutshell. It like pokes fun at itself when they go to the conference. She ends up getting backed into a corner because her friends all get a room together and they're like, oh, we thought you would be staying with your professor lover. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I guess so. And he's like, well, you can stay with me. And she's like, there's going to be just one bed, but there's actually two beds, right? Like, it kind of plays on that. Mm -hmm. But it it already did a just one bed when she shows up to this professor, visiting professor from Harvard who's going to do a talk, right? And who Mm -hmm. came to see her work and learn about her work. He shows up to do a talk and they're like, why don't you just sit in Dr. Adam Carlson's lap during this talk? Because there aren't enough seats. In a lecture hall. In the front row. Just sit on his lap. It's totally normal thing to do. This isn't an oversold screening 
of Fast and Furious, okay? <laughs> We're not sitting in laughs here. This is mm-hmm. a lecture on cancerous cell biology. Mm-hmm. Get out of the guy's lap. Stand on the... Oh my He's a God. tenured faculty member and you're a third year PhD and now you're sitting, sitting on his, on his lap, lap in, in a, a humid lecture hall no, with another extremely prestigious person giving the talk, no. staring you dead-eyed. You know, last time when I was like kind of pissed, like not pissed, when I was kind of like irritated and annoyed and disappointed that this fanfic had like footnotes that were like don't have don't use the pullout method and I was like don't talk down to me I genuinely believe that this book should have a footnote that says don't actually sit on anyone's lap during a talk a talk of any kind the talk could be about the benefits of sitting in other people's laps and you should not be doing it Absolutely not. No go for me. No go for me. Mm-mm. And then just like, ugh. It's like, you know he's got a boner under there. That was the, I'm so glad that you brought that up because like I was a thousand percent, a hundred percent, I'm like, that was almost my weirdest part. He's a bricked up at the cancer cell biology <laughs> talk. But also the fact that we never see him being bricked up when we all know that he must be. It's like fucking just like let us like let the just give us what we fucking showed up. Like we sh- it's a hot lecture hall. Every they're cuddled up. She's like in the space between his chin and his shoulder. I know what that oh, means oh in my fanfic. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Right? Like, she's literally cuddled into his face, and he's, like, holding her, like, underneath her knees and by her shoulders, like, fucking carrying her bride style on his lap. And, like, you're not going to tell me about his erection against the back of her thigh? Fuck you. That's not what I came here for. What are we even doing if we're not doing this? Because now it's just cringe. What in the boy-girl roller rink birthday party sneaking around are y'all two up to? Like, we know. And you, I like that your beef is like, just mention that he's got a boner, okay? Fucking why are we here if not to tell me? Someone needs to talk about him (laughs) popping a tent in his biz cash chinos. Tenured faculty member obviously is bricked up for the third year. I cannot stress enough how upset I was about the first half of this book. And this is a key scene of why I was upset. We know that he doesn't have an erection because she's so small. His dick is so big, it would have flung her into the air. (laughs) Like a springboard. You're right. When you're right, you're right. That's just physics. I was mad on both counts. I'm mad that it's happening and I'm mad that I didn't get an erection. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm deeply dissatisfied. If you're gonna do it, go all the way. I get that. Yeah. Right? Like, don't edge me. That was my sexiest part. I also, I'm kind of embarrassed. Another part where I was like, oh, is when she finds out he's the keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. 
Now that's a man. Even though, like, previously I had mocked the fact that she was like, he'd probably never like me. I only have three publications. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what that's what boys like, publications. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my God, he's a keynote speaker. I, like, pantomime. Listeners can't see it. I just pantomime tucking my ear, hair behind my ear. I love that he hadn't mentioned it. I also noted that. I love like, him. Humble. It's nice that you didn't Humble. say it. Yeah, I did love that as well. Whoa or no? Whoa. It is a whoa. I'm, it's a whoa. I'm mad about how much of a whoa it ended up being. Like it, it, the last half just, I was rocket trained to the moon, man. Like I just couldn't put it down. I'm like, couldn't put it down. It is a whoa with an asterisk. And that asterisk. Because it's a fanfic? No. It is a woe with an asterisk because the bonus chapter is narrated, just does not. So this character, it is common knowledge. They hired someone who does fan art, Raylo fan art to do the cover. She's got that like double Mm -hmm. bun ponytail thing on the cover. Like it's Mm -hmm. no secret Mm -hmm. who these characters are based on. When I think of Adam Driver, I do think of a distinct voice. Pardon, Mm -hmm. when I think of Kylo Ren, I'm not like the, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being weird. (laughs) I I think he's got a distinct voice. It's deep. It's round. I do not think of Ray Liotta, but apparently the good people at what is this Berkeley romance Romance did. So the bonus chapter is the sex scene from Adam's perspective. Which, why why that scene? From his perspective, right? Like, why not? I'd rather get longing than sex from a boy perspective. Exactly. Like, that's not what we show up to Kylo for. Like, he's not going to describe sex in a way that's going to feel good or cool, but he's definitely going to talk about watching you from across the parking lot in a way that's going to make me feel tingly. Easy there. But yeah. Why the fuck the sex scene? You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Adam pine for olive. But it's also he's not pining, he's literally boning. He's getting he's getting sticky. I texted Isabeau and I was like, you have to get this on. I had enjoyed the audiobook genuinely. But then I got to the bonus chapter and I was like, you need to get this because it feels like my lift driver is yelling at me about my plump folds. <laughs> he it sounds so it's like a cross between Ray Liotta and Da Bear's sketch from Saturday Night Live. It's a really accurate depiction of that voice. And he 100% does like the, I hate it. I hate it when men, men readers do women voices because they always sound like, I'm a lady. And he does it horribly. And it's rancid. And like, that's the risk you take when you get an audiobook. So I would just say, I wish a transcript of the chapter existed. <laughs> Should we play a portion? We can. I mean, the thing about that, I'm trying to find the reader because... His name is Teddy. That's it. It's Teddy. He he does a bunch. I've heard him before. And so when I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit. He does the Lauren Blakely. And she does uh, contemporary romances. She She's fun. Like, if 
If you like Allie Hazelwood, you'll likely like Lauren Blakely. Which is probably how we got into this mess. I liked her because she actually did, uh, I read a book of hers where uh, Richard Armitage was the guy. (laughs) And so I was like, oh my God, does he do all of her books? Because like, let me one click them. And then problem, he only did the one book. And then this guy did the other ones. And it is... I don't even think I like Lauren Blakely because I can never read her stuff again without this guy pretending to be a woman, which sounds like, I just don't know. And I'm like, do you hate women? Do you, do you, but you also hate men because like literally one of the lines is like, I felt so stupid. I want to punch myself in the face. It, that's a stupid <laughs> thing to write. That's a stupid thing to write. We cannot put that. We cannot lay that at Teddy's feet. I agree with you. But the way that he said it was so dumb. It's a stupid thing to write, and he infused it with so much earnestness that Kylo is about to punch himself in the face. Excuse me, Adam Carlson. Prepare. Prepare yourself for a sentient kielbasa. (laughs) Exhale something that is so obviously pleasure. Adam strokes himself and knows it, that he's going to come just... (laughs) Strokes himself. Adam knows he's gonna go. God, I just smelled an old style get spilled on my sweater. <laughs> There's sand on the floor. <laughs> it's so sticky. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. This guy's this guy's not gonna give me a good deal on my oil change, and he's also gonna lie that I need new parts. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna call you little lady while he does oh, it. Such a little lady. Fucking get out. That guy hates uh. women. Man, Charles Bukowski, that guy, I would love to hear him read some Bukowski. Yeah. And that's what we call a compliment sandwich. There we go. Anything else you want to say about love hypothesis? What a journey. Honestly, for me, it really was. But we've been saving it up. We have felt so much about this text and it like so unassuming, honestly. It gets, it, it honestly kind of deserves the hype for like that last half alone. It's a good book. It is bubblegum. We just overthink things, but it is exactly the kind of bubblegum that has all of your, all of the most insidious parts of like fandom. It also has all of the most delightful parts of it. <sighs> Fuck. It's a woe. It's a woe. I have nothing but questions about the provenance of that bonus <laughs> chapter, how it came to be, why that, like, why does he want to punch himself? Why that person to read those lines? Why does he, he describes his, he says big stupid cock. Don't say that about your, don't say that about your genitals. I also don't think that Adam Carlson would have said that about his genitals. Like there was nothing, he wouldn't have used that phraseology. He was, dare I say, elitist. My what would he say? It's not that he wouldn't say cock. It's just that he wouldn't say stupid cock. He'd just be like my like, you know, engorged cock or like. My ersatz <laughs> cock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my cock comma esquire. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, I just don't. He's he's not he's he's not shotgunning old style in the back of the frat. You know what I mean? He's just not. Yeah. He's not glaring over whiskey on the rocks at his daughter's prom date. Mm-mm. That's not what he's doing. He's asking that prom date if he's read, you know, Ulysses, but 
It's just different. He's wearing a shawl collar cardigan and not looking up from his newspaper. Correct. That's the kind of prom date daddy is. With that. Loosen your stays. But never your principles. Well, that was a mess. Wolik guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womans and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womanspodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.